0: Ladies and, Ladies and, gentlemen, and gentlemen, 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 you are now, listening, now listening, to listening to the to Fantasy, Fantasy Baseball, Baseball Hour, Hour with Al Mercure. Welcome everybody and TGIFTU, this is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, the real second half edition. I think I called yesterday's on Nando Tuesday, Nando Thursday. Oh, I messed up. I should just start all over. Anyways, we're in the second half. We got the Cubs and Cardinals playing right now. We had them playing last night. Other teams will actually play some baseball on Friday night, Uh, so it's an exciting day. Lots to get to. Lots of news, even though we haven't had much baseball this week. Uh, The the news machine is cranking up, so... uh, I'm going to have my work cut out here, getting you caught up on all of the latest news. On Thursday's show, if you did listen, you know that I had planned to talk about a whole bunch of potential by-low candidates. Uh, Nando and I (laughs) spent so much time talking about other stuff. We didn't get to that. So, yeah, I've got some leftovers to to heat up for you. Uh, But it's good stuff. I found some interesting things in researching some of these players that have uh, been either not very good or just inconsistent in the first half that you might be able to buy low on. So I'll share those in a bit. Uh, And then uh, the return of two-star pitchers. Uh, Usually I try to get to that on Thursday, but uh, with teams, uh, you know, sort of straggling to uh, set their rotations, uh, I waited until today to get to it. So um, you still got time. And again, not everybody needs to pick two-star pitchers for the coming week. If you're already in an extended post-break week, um, that might be a moot issue for you. But, uh, you know, my leagues are kind of split that way, so I'm thinking a a lot of people probably could still benefit from looking at next week's two-star pitchers. So I'm going to devote some time to that as well. All right, but let's get to the news. Big news that actually uh, just came down very shortly after Thursday's show was um, the placing on the DL of Brandon Morrow by the Cubs. Uh, So this time it's biceps inflammation. Uh, that's got him on the DL. He did have an MRI on Thursday. I've not seen any results from those tests uh, as of yet. But um, you know, so I, I, both he and Joe Madden—I say he—both he, both he uh, Brandon Morrow, and Joe Madden, kind of soft-pedaled this in their quotes to the media in the last day or so. But um, you know, frankly, there's just there's no timetable. I don't think we can really know. We've got to move forward you know, thinking that Morrow's not going to be uh, available for a while. And we did get to see uh, very early, first game after the break, how Madden might handle that. Now, he told MLB.com that, um, well, actually, I'm going to walk this back because it wasn't actually a quote, but there was a piece from MLB.com that said that Madden's probably going to mix and match. And it's Joe Madden, so I'm willing to go along with that. That sounds like a Joe Madden thing to do. Plus, it makes sense, given uh, the the options that he's got available to him. Uh, You can uh, put in uh, Justin Wilson against lefties. And then, uh, you know, you got very different looks there with Steve Ciszek, Carl Edwards Jr. But on Thursday night, it was actually Pedro Strope, who certainly is worthy uh, of closing some games. Definitely has a good skill set. So he got a one-out save coming in for Carl Edwards Jr., who got the last out in the eighth. And then the first couple of outs in the ninth, but gave up uh, uh, an RBI single that brought the lead from four runs to three runs. So Madden brought in Strope to get the last out. So Strope uh, usually talk about vulturing a win, kind of vulture to save in that situation. But I think you you know in terms of mixing and matching, you you'll see some Strope, you'll see some uh, Edwards, you'll see. Uh, probably some C-Sheck. He's gotten some some saves here and there throughout the season. And like I say, probably a little bit of Justin Wilson as well. So not really any great speculation targets there just because, first of all, could be a short DL stay for Morrow. And then you're seeing those save opportunities, which may not be that plentiful, getting split multiple ways. If you, if you absolutely are bound <laughs> to go after somebody, I'd say probably stroke. And not because he got the save last night, but just uh, in terms of experience, uh, skill set, usage patterns. I I would think, you know, maybe he'll get a, a few more opportunities than the others there, but I don't think it's really uh, a great play. Um I think you're probably better off actually going after Kirby Yates. And Nando and I talked about that San Diego situation in a lot of detail on Thursday show. So I'm, I'm certainly not just going to go and regurgitate all that. But uh, Yates is drawing some trade interest, you would expect. I don't know how long he's going to be for the closers role in San Diego, but I would expect he has it for the time being. Uh, you can certainly handcuff him with Craig Stammen. Uh, but, uh, you know, I actually like that play a little bit better. Than trying to go after one of the Cubs guys because at least Yates, I think you know, for a week or two, uh, probably not two. Come to think of it, because the 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 deadline is creeping up on us; it's just eleven days away. But you know, could be a post-deadline deal. Um, anyways, the point just being that I think Yates is not a great pickup, but probably better than trying to figure out which of the Cubs relievers are going to get saves while while Morrow is out. Uh, Also, something I don't think that we talked about on Thursday's show on the Cleveland side of that Brad Hand deal is that uh, there was a piece in MLB.com that um, conjectured that Cody Allen would retain the closer's role there. So that was pretty much my assumption as well, but good to see a beat writer back that up. Although I did not see any quotes directly from Terry Francona or anybody in the organization and the Indians organization really confirming that. But I think for now it's safe to keep Cody Allen. I also feel like it's premature to drop Brad Hand, uh, because as I made the argument on Thursday show, I think Hand is the better reliever. Allen has struggled and I think if he continues on that trajectory, that it wouldn't you know it wouldn't be impossible, certainly or inconceivable. And it sort of reminds me of the situation with the Marlins when they acquired Fernando Rodney. I believe that was two seasons ago. And um, they said that uh, A.J. Ramos was going to continue to be the closer. And I think it took like maybe a week before uh, Ramos had a couple of struggles. And, and then uh, Rodney was there and he came in and, and he kind of took the job and ran with it. So I think you could have that situation in Cleveland where Brad Hand uh, comes in and takes over the job. And by the way, uh, you know, don't forget Andrew Miller. He's on a rehab assignment. He could be back within a uh, a couple weeks or maybe a few weeks. I'm not exactly sure what the timetable is. I don't think there really is one right now. But I do think we see Andrew Miller back there probably at some point in August. And he he becomes a part of that mix as well. So I think you just got to hold with everybody involved. But for the time being, yes, you should probably expect Cody Allen to get the bulk of the saves. There was also a report, again, from MLB.com that the Rangers are receiving some uh, trade interest on Keanu Kela. And there was a different report that Nando and I talked about on Thursday's show saying that they were unlikely to trade Kela. I believe the the specific term I used to describe that was crazy pants. <laughs> that Kela is one of the, the more... Um, I think valuable pieces that the Rangers have to deal and they need to start the rebuild. So now we do have some reporting that the Rangers are receiving some interest on Kayla and are open to trading him as well as Jake Diekman. And also to just briefly switch away from Bullpen's jerks and Profar. And that makes a whole lot of sense because they're, you know, you have somebody who's, you know, very young and, and could have value uh for a team, you know, much more probably than than somebody like Adrian Beltray just as an example, or Shinsu Chu. Uh, So that was kind of an interesting uh, piece of reporting there that uh, Jerks Profar might be on the trade block. Anyhow, just to get back to Kella and Diekman, if those two are gone, that absolutely clears the way then for Jose Leclerc. I think the only other pitcher I could think of that might usurp that role would be Chris Martin. Uh, He's been hurt. I don't know what the timetable is for him. Uh, So... I, uh, in one league today, and I'm going to pursue some others over the weekend, but one league have already put in a bid on Jose LeClerc. Uh, I just, I love the skill set. Yes, he has really poor control, but he also induces a lot of soft contact. One of the best pitchers in the majors in that regard. Sort of balances out. He's got a 1.00 whip because the BABIP, the low BABIP, balances out uh, the walks for Jose LeClerc. Anyways, enough closer talk, at least for now. Gary Sanchez has been activated, and over on the other side of town, Yohannes Cespedes has been activated and uh, will be available for tonight's game. So that both of those moves were expected, but they have been made. Terry Francona says, uh, according to MLB.com, that Edwin Encarnacion is, quote-unquote, all good after he got hit on uh, the hand-by-pitch last Sunday. However, they have called up Yandy Diaz Sounds like just for some insurance uh, for, uh, for the weekend. But it sounds like uh, Encarnacion should be good, but we should just monitor that one day by day for now. And some very good news for Shoei Otani. You may recall early, earlier this week that I had mentioned a report that he was um, going to be checked out. I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, to be honest with you, but earlier this week, uh, Otani was scheduled to be checked out. He was checked out, and he has been cleared to throw again. So there's no timetable for him in terms of when he's going to pitch again in the majors, but it looks like at least it's a possibility you might get some innings from Shohei Otani before the end of the season. So that is great, exciting news. According to 670, the score... Cubs pitching coach Jim Hickey says that Darvish is weeks away from a return. And if you recall, right before the break or not too long before the break, there were all sorts of conflicting reports about Darvish's timetable, but some being very optimistic that he was days away from returning. Uh, so now it's 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 down to weeks and time is ticking uh, for you, Darvish, to, to help us in fantasy this year. The uh, Cardinals... May be looking to trade Jose Martinez, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Let's uh, definitely free Jose Martinez because he's pretty much lost his job, lost his starting role, uh, offensively had a very good first half. So uh, we fancy owners certainly would like to see him go somewhere where uh, he can get some playing time, perhaps in the American League. Uh, Evan Longoria has started a, or is about to start a rehab assignment, A Sacramento. Tonight, that's Friday night if you're listening on demand. According to 929 The Game in Atlanta, Luis Gohara is an option to start for the Braves on Tuesday against the Marlins. That's actually been rumored for quite a while now. However, he did make a start on Thursday night uh, for Triple A Gwinnett. Didn't go very well, gave up seven hits in four and a third innings, four earned runs. Uh, So that's maybe open the door for Max Fried, who made a rehab start on Wednesday and tossed four and two-thirds scoreless and hitless innings. So basically, I think you're looking at Fried or Gohara uh, on Tuesday for the Braves. So definitely track that one over the weekend. The uh, Royals have placed Adalberto Mondesi on the family medical emergency list and to take his spot on the 25-man roster. They have recalled Ramon Torres from AAA Omaha. According to uh Diamondbacks beat reporter Jack Magruder Shelby Miller uh, had an MRI done and it uh, revealed no further UCL damage but uh, Miller will be shut down for at least another week Earlier on Friday the White Sox activated Nikki Delmonico and uh, actually I realize I'm bearing this one pretty deep in the uh in the segment here uh, but certainly, uh, not great news for Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, there was a report uh, earlier on Friday that um, he had injured his uh, left thumb. And now it looks like he may have to have surgery. And uh, that would be season-ending surgery for, uh, for Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm just looking for, um, yeah, this is the report from uh, San Diego Union Tribune. Tatis expected to require surgery and miss the rest of the season. So, very unfortunate news. Um, you know, not that he was likely to be up this year anyway, but uh, you know, certainly would uh, would rule that out. So, uh, and uh, the Mariners have signed uh, their manager Scott Service to a multi-year extension. That was expected after they did the same with Jerry Depoto, the GM. A Couple of Nationals items. Uh, this one absolutely expected steven strasberg just activated off the dl he is scheduled to be the national starter tonight so again that was pretty much a, a foregone conclusion they've also activated ryan zimmerman from the disabled list uh the rangers uh are expected to recall willie calhoun so that in fact i think i referenced that on thursday's show that uh <laughs> it seemed like he should have been up a long time ago but uh it looks like, I don't have any uh, confirmation that this has happened or that's going to happen, but uh, apparently uh, it is expected that Willie Calhoun is going to get called up by the Rangers. So that's certainly very exciting news. The Orioles have DFA'd Chris Tillman, so uh, that's bad news for him. Uh, he has really struggled the last couple of years. Uh, it's good news for Jeffrey Ramirez, uh, who'd been sort of uh, on the borders of nailing down a rotation spot. I think that probably cements that for, uh, for Ramirez. And there's also another spot uh, that would be open as well. And finally, CC Sabathia uh, expects that he is going to play again next year, 2019. So very, very good deal there for uh, CC Sabathia. And I'm going to talk about him a little bit later on in the show because he's lining up for a couple of starts next week. And as I mentioned at the outset, whole bunch of pitchers uh, scheduled right now for two starts that are worth considering if you get to set a weekly lineup again uh, coming up this Monday. So uh, we'll certainly see uh, Sabathia next week, but looks like we'll see him again in 2019 as well. So good deal there. All right. Well, uh, that for the time being does catch up us, catch us up on all the news. Uh, we're just about to head to break here. But like I said, later on, we'll talk about some of the two start options to consider for next week. But before then, we will take a look at uh, players that underperformed, disappointed in the first half. Not necessarily the, the top players, the you know, early round uh, guys that I've talked about earlier this week. But just players that you would uh, you know still want to use. But now you're not sure that you want to. So we'll review several of those right after this break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. 843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network. Your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Alan Melchior. Thank you so much for tuning in. Got lots to come here. We're going to get you ready for the second half of the season. Yeah, I know it's Started with a couple of games already, but uh, get you really, really ready uh, by looking at some potential buy lows to help you down the stretch. Uh, take a look at next week's two-star pitchers, or at least uh, potential two-star pitchers. Uh, so, lots to get to here. But first, uh, when you want to win your fantasy football league, you simply must go to the very best source of information that you can find, and that would be RotoExperts.com. Senior writer Jake Seely. It's an undisputed fact. No other fantasy football analyst in the industry is a better player ranker and accuracy expert than the all-in kid. In 2017, Jake Seeley was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry, as verified by FantasyPros.com. And he's been a consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. That is not easy to do. Uh, So if you want to be with the best, go with the best. Get Jake Seeley's 2018 fantasy football rankings right now in the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the promo code WINNER at the checkout for a special discount. So make sure that you do that uh, so you get ready for fantasy football. But we also got to get you ready for fantasy baseball. Lots of baseball left. Uh Starting with the uh, uh, well, really today, the you know, we had one game last night, uh, Cubs Cardinals has talked about uh, Cubs winning that with um, Pedro Strope getting the save, but uh, we got a full slate of games uh, tonight. We've already got one game uh, underway here. So it's really time to, you know, get serious about uh, thinking about what moves we can make for the uh, for the home stretch. So number of players, uh, both hitters and pitchers that look like they could be some, some buy low candidates. I'm going to start with a few pitchers. And among that group, I want to start with David price because I I, I don't, I'm not even sure he'd be viewed as a buy low. He has had such an odd quirky season with ups and downs, uh, a terrible stretch followed by the revelation that he had uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. And then after that, he was, you know, the, the vintage David price all over again, And then really just sputtering into the all-star break with uh, three not very good starts and one truly bad start against the Yankees. But none of the three were really good starts. So after uh, a month of June, where Price had a 2.90 ERA, came back this month, first three starts, a 9.20 ERA. And this is one of the weirdest stat lines I have ever seen for a pitcher (laughs) Uh, for, for any sort of period of time. If uh, you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I tweeted out this morning because as soon as I saw this, I just really was sort of left speechless. Uh, But I had to to put this out there on Twitter. So over his three uh, July starts, David Price has thrown 14 and two-thirds innings. Well, that's a bad sign right there when you're averaging less than five innings to start. But 14 and two-thirds innings, 20 strikeouts, and it gets better. One walk. But don't forget now. A 920 ERA over those 14 two-thirds innings. So here here comes the, the punchline. He's given up eight home runs. More than, well, gosh, I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's more than one every other inning. That's, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. And especially when you pair that with the 20-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. It's just bizarre. So, you know what? What a just a, an appropriate way for David Price to put a cap on just a bizarre up and down, inconsistent first half with a, a line that just makes no sense whatsoever. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a similar situation to what I've talked about several times in the past week, including on Thursday's show with Nando uh, when we talked about a couple of players. I know I brought up the Nwin and Carnacion uh scenario with Nando that if you know you need to kind of take a Hail Mary uh offensively and particularly for power you, know, do, you do you pursue Edwin Encarnacion in the hope that uh the declining batting average and the declining uh, plate discipline that he showed this year aren't just uh the early signs of age related decline and that you're on the precipice of the slippery slope where if you invest anything in him you're you're really going to be sorely disappointed uh so David Price, another situation, I mean, not in terms of, you know, worrying about him being on the the precipice of some steep decline, but just in terms of you you really don't know what you're going to get with David Price. So what are you willing to give up? Well, I, I think, again, depending on owner perception, this might be the time if you are doing well in hitting categories, but you really need help with pitching. You need wins. You need strikeouts. You're hoping he could be somebody that helps you with ERA and whip. I think in that situation, it makes sense to go after David Price. But it's kind of a desperation move, in my opinion, because you really could wind up with some bad stats, uh, given what we've seen over a couple of different stretches this season. Uh, Now, Kyle Hendricks, I'm not sure that I'm even that optimistic about him. He had a good start right before the break, and then he started for the Cubs on Thursday night against the Cardinals and just wasn't very impressive. Um, And... You know, one thing that that's been notable about Hendricks and some of his less good starts is just that he just hasn't had the location and the, and the finesse that's made him such a valuable. And in my opinion, and I think in a lot of the opinion of, of a lot of other analysts, uh, a very underrated pitcher. And, um, you know, I went and, and I had a hunch that he just wasn't working the the edges of the strike zone in the way that he had in, in past years, and that really was a key to his success uh, because you know he was at best a, an average strikeout pitcher the last few seasons, uh, Kyle Hendricks. But low BABIPs, not allowing uh, a lot of extra base hits, and really doing it with location because Hendricks certainly does not do it with uh, velocity. And so I went and Bill Petty, um, who I really need to have on this show, by the way, I I think I had him on once, but anyways, Bill Petty, a great uh, data analyst, data scientist. Uh, He has a fantastic tool that you can where you can look up where pitchers are locating in much more granular detail, not just in the zone, out of the zone, but are they on the edge? You know, are they pitching on the horizontal edges, the vertical edges uh, in the heart of the zone? And um, so I went to this uh, online tool to look up Kyle Hendricks's. Stats over his career and last season in particular, but really every season prior to this one, he's been one of the better pitchers in terms of locating on the edges of the strike zone. And last year he had a rate of twenty eight point three percent, which is really good this year, very average down to about twenty four percent. So that's a that's a big that might not sound like a big difference, but in terms of how that that is distributed, that's a big drop off. So th- that verified my hunch that he's just not loca- locating uh, the way he has in past seasons. And that's that's a big part of Hendricks's success. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be very loath to buy low on Hendricks at this point. And I do own him in some leagues. And I, you know, I've been reluctant to even start him at this point. I'm not sure what I could do with him. Maybe somebody else wants to buy low on Hendricks or at least try to and maybe see what, what I can get for him. Uh, Dylan Bundy, I had an interesting conversation with somebody uh, last couple of days about Dylan Bundy, because he has been rumored to be traded on the surface. That would seem to be a really good thing uh, to leave Baltimore, an offense that's probably going to struggle more than it already has with the loss of Manny Machado, uh, leave a bad ballpark for a pitcher, leave a bad division for a pitcher so as much as Bundy has really struggled with the long ball to the point where it it sort of neutralizes the benefit you get from him as a strikeout pitcher you know I've thought okay is does it make sense to hold Dylan Bundy right now um in the the hopes that he gets traded so in preparing for the show today I wanted to revisit that question and look at how he is done in venues besides Camden Yards, because he's given up a whole ton ton of homers there, as you would expect. But pretty much the only park where Bundy has not given up a bunch of homers, where he's, you know, pitched more than, uh, you know, like five or six innings, uh, the only park is Fenway Park. So even at the Trop, uh, which is not that easy to homer in, he's given up a ton of homers this year. So I, I think this is a situation where Dylan Bundy's just homer prone and risky. Uh, So I, I, you know, I know the question I posed a moment ago was, you know, do you hold? And I guess maybe, you know, unless it's a very shallow league, you hold and see what happens. But I think if it's a question of do you want to trade for Dylan Bundy if you don't have him, I'm not interested. I don't think it's a good idea. And uh, while I continue on my parade of negativity here, uh, Rich Hill seems like somebody that potentially you could buy low on. But the thing is, the the one thing that he continues to do really well is get strikeouts on a per-inning basis. And there's all the risks that are still out there in terms of blister issue or health concerns just in general. But I don't know how Rich Hill is even going to continue getting strikeouts really given his trends. Because he's allowing quite a bit more contact this year uh, than he's done the last couple of years. And um, he's getting more swings on pitches that are out of the zone and he's a control pitcher, so that's going to hurt him less than a lot of other pitchers, but, you know, the control's not quite up to the level it's been the last couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, I don't love those trends for Rich Hill, and I'm wondering if maybe the K-rate he's got is just a little bit of a mirage, and if that's gone, then there's really not much to recommend him. So I'll add Hill to the the growing pile here of pitchers that I'm not really interested in trying to, to trade for, uh, to, to boost myself in the, in the second half. So let's, let's try Sean Manaya. uh, just not getting strikeouts. I think there's an argument to get Manaya if you don't need the strikeouts because good control could be very good for whip, um, could go, could be very efficient and that he's allowing a con, a lot of, uh, contact and just kind of working through the lineup quickly. Uh, so, you know, for a points league, I actually think he's a good by candidate. And Roto, unless you're just really not looking for strikeouts, uh, I think you pass. And he, and whatever format you get him in, I think you do need to avoid him with really tough matchups, given how contact-prone he's in. Julio Tehran, I'd say he's another one I'm not too interested in, but I just do want to point out this trend. This is just, this is strange. For uh, the, his last nine starts, Tehran's pitched in the strike zone just 36% of the time that's really low and really not good. And the only thing worse than that is if he was having that kind of bad control and not getting very many swings outside of the strike zone. And you guessed it. He's got a 26% swing rate on pitches that are out of the strike zone. That's a terrible combination. So in a way, he's really lucky that over that nine-start stretch, tehran has got a 3.83 ERA, and he's been helped a lot. He's got a 198 BABIP, so... Maybe this is just a case of being effectively wild, uh, where, you know, he's just so all over the place that he's getting some some bad contact. Although that low O swing rate kind of makes you doubt that explanation. So it looks pretty sketchy to me. Uh, And if you actually have an opportunity maybe to trade Tehran, that might be a good thing. Uh, I wrote about both Chase Anderson and Luke Weaver. Uh, let's see, what did I do this? Yeah, back on Tuesday for Rotographs for my uh, two good starts, two bad starts series. Anderson's the one with the two bad starts going into the break. Luke Weaver, the two good starts. And yet with Anderson, it's just way too much inconsistency. Too much bad outweighing the good, so I don't view him as a good buy low candidate. Luke Weaver, on the other hand, I'm actually kind of encouraged about. He's had a four-start stretch where he has, unlike Julio Tehran, he's been getting more swings outside of the zone. He's got the Cubs on Saturday. Uh, if you're not particularly into taking risks, maybe you wait and see how he does against the Cubs. Although if he does really well, maybe that's going to make him more expensive. So think about maybe make, make it a play for Luke Weaver right now before that start and, and taking a, what might be a low cost gamble. Uh, so I've got a few hitters that I want to talk about as well. See if I'm any more optimistic about the hitters than I was the pitchers. Uh, But before I do that, just a reminder that we are giving away more World Series tickets here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network. And this time, it's going to be to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While thirty percent of patients can find a matching donor in their families, seventy percent or nearly fourteen thousand people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause and at the same time win twenty eighteen World Series tickets playing free daily fantasy baseball by going to da- dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com Slash DKMS. It's your ticket to the World Series and someone's ticket to life. So let's take a look at a few hitters that maybe you can get on the cheap and see if it's even worth it. Uh, Probably a good place to start here is Eric Hosmer, who uh, has been overall a disappointment in his first year with the Padres. But let's keep some perspective here because he actually was just fine through about the end of May. Nothing really wrong with the stats for Eric Hosmer. He just had a miserable, miserable June, and unfortunately, that has now spilled over into what is, so far, a miserable, miserable July. But I, I still think uh, it, it feels like we've seen this from Hosmer before, where he could be kind of streaky, and I, I you know, again, maybe if it was more of an Encarnacio type situation, that he was older, that Maybe I'd say, well, maybe this is a sign that this is the beginning of the end, but I I just think that that's not a a, a good perspective uh, on on Hosmer. Not one that's likely to be accurate. So, I do think Eric Hosmer is actually a good buy low. Uh, It sort of depends on what your needs are, too. You know, if it's for power, even at his best, he's not necessarily going to be a huge impact player over less than half of a season. But you know, if you need batting average and some run production. Probably could get him very cheap right now, I would think. Uh, for steals, how about Delino De Shields? Kind of a similar story there. Just a, a bad July in particular has really, really dragged down his batting average and his uh, stolen base pace. And the, the worry I have with DeShields, it's something similar to what Nando brought up. I don't remember which player he was talking about. Uh, you all, if you listen, you probably remember. But, uh, you know, if, if the Rangers are going to sell, and I would think that they would, I don't know what that's going to do to morale. I don't know, you know, if that's going to put too much weight on the shoulders of the the players that remain behind. Uh, That's the only thing I worry about with, with the shields. And, you know, that to me, like all that kind of stuff, you know, with morale and, and sort of the, the, the psychology aspect of it. That's just, you know, that's something we just can't really get insight uh, into. So, it really could go any way there with the with Shields, but I, I again I think the the track record supports the idea that he's a good buy low. Sal Perez I've already talked about in the past, uh the plate discipline trends are just terrible for him. I would not buy low on Perez. And Michael Conforto, that's a tough one too, because it's certainly easy to buy into the, the explanation that he's not hit that well because he's not his shoulder's not fully healed. So I don't know if you, you can look at it with uh, the optimistic view that, well, in the second half, maybe he gets healthier and he hits more. Or maybe it's just going to be a lost season. Good for him. Again, I think that's a Hail Mary play. That could pay off big if you're willing to take a big gamble. Anyway, hopefully that helps you. It gives me some food for thought. But we got to take a break right now. And while we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the two-star pitchers for next week. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fancy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to get you set up for next week by looking at some of the uh, projected two-star pitchers. But uh, I'm going to even try to help you out tonight uh, with uh, a nearly full slate of games. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of lineups in. We've got a weather set of weather forecasts uh, for you from uh, Roto-Grinders. So uh, let's take a look and see what sort of tweaking you might have to do to your, uh, your lineups. And actually, I'm jumping the gun here. We are going to get to that. But I forgot. I do have a message for you uh, from mybookie.ag. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. And avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So no more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag. Enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up and then choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. And now, speaking of not only daily fantasy sports, but just your daily lineup leagues in general, let's check in on uh, some of the lineups. Uh, A lot of lineups are out right now. So we've got lineups for both the Braves and the Nationals. Uh, This could be Anibal Sanchez and Steven Strasburg. Very excited about this because I picked up Anibal Sanchez in a couple of leagues over the break. So now I get my first start from him. Uh, so, yeah, against the Nationals and Steven Strasburg. Braves lineup is your your typical Braves lineup. Nationals, uh, just a note here with Ryan Zimmerman uh, activated off the DL that uh, it is going to be Matt Adams getting the start at first base for the Nats. I did talk about it a few days back. Wondering how they're going to handle that situation. Obviously, we're longer term. We're we're still going to have to wait and see. But at least for tonight against Donnie Bell Sanchez, it's going to be Matt Adams playing first base and batting sixth. We've got uh, Yankees hosting the Mets. Noah Syndergaard and Domingo Herman. Pretty much a normal uh, Yankees lineup. Of course, we don't have uh, Gleyber Torres back yet from his uh, rehab stint. So you got Neil Walker batting ninth and playing second base. Lot, no lineups yet for Padres Phillies. That's Clayton Richard and Jake Arietta We do have an Orioles lineup with the uh, aforementioned Dylan Bundy towing the slab. Sam Gaviglio starting for the Blue Jays. We do not have a lineup for the Jays yet. But for the Orioles, I saw this lineup and kind of wanted to kick myself. It's an overreaction. <laughs> but I had the discussion with Nando Defino on the show yesterday. And Nando was actually the one to bring it up because he scoured the, uh, the Orioles' farm to see who might be called up and fill the, uh, the gaping void left by Manny Machado. And so, as expected, Tim Beckham is now the shortstop. He's leading off and playing short. Uh, Danny Valencia is still in right field, so he's not making the shift to third, as both Nando and I thought might happen. But playing third and batting eighth is Renato Nunez. And I can't remember now. I think I wrote about this somewhere. Uh, but Nunez, at the, you know, earlier in the week, or you know what? I don't even think I wrote it. I think I talked about it on the show, just not on Thursday's show, that I thought that Nunez was one of the more interesting players that could come up and fill that Machado spot. And at least for Friday night, it is Renato Nunez. And, you know, I like that the power bat there in the AL East. I think there's some potential there, so. I'm going to go out and see if I can get Renato Nunez in some of my uh, deeper leagues. Anyhow, moving on here. We got Red Sox at Tigers. David Price also mentioned and discussed in great detail earlier. And Matthew Boyd, also another interesting case here. Uh, Matthew Boyd um, coming off a a, a rough end of the first half, see if he can turn things around. Uh, We now have uh, lineups for both. Actually, the Detroit lineup just came in. So this is my first time seeing it. But looks like a pretty normal Tigers lineup. And for the Red Sox, now this is interesting. Against the lefty Boyd, as you'd expect, you've got Steve Pierce in the lineup. He's DHing and batting cleanup. Uh, But you also do have Mitch Moreland in there uh, against a lefty, batting sixth and playing first. And you got J.D. Martinez in the outfield. So it's Jackie Bradley Jr. that is left out of the Red Sox lineup against uh, Matt Boyd and the Tigers. I'm also going to go back to Orioles, Blue Jays, because it looks like the actually just got a whole bunch of lineups here. So take a quick gander at the Blue Jays lineup. I don't see anything there too interesting. Also, those Padres and Phillies lineups just came in. We've got Travis Jankowski leading off uh, and playing right field. So if you need some steals, there's uh, somebody that you can uh, try to uh, pick up or start. Uh, Phillies lineup looks to be pretty normal, just seeing if there's any weirdness in the outfield. There is no Nick Williams, but it's against a lefty Clayton Richards, so that's actually not weird. Aaron Altair batting sixth and playing right field. Uh, Let's move on to Marlins Rays, Dan Straley and Nathan Avaldi. And Garrett Cooper at first, uh, playing first base. Justin Board DHing in the AL Park. And for the Rays... G-Man Choi. Batting fifth and DHing. That's interesting. Uh looking, looking, looking. Don't see anything else there uh, to talk about. Pirates and Reds. No Pirates lineup just yet. Uh Jamison Tyone and Tyler Maley. And uh Y'shevler, don't forget he is on the DL. So you've got uh Uh, What you would think would be not a crowded outfield situation, but it's actually it's Philip Irvin getting the start in right field. And this is actually a big thing now uh, because he has moved Adam Duvall to first base. So no Joey Votto, no Joey Votto uh, for the Reds against the Pirates. And just two more lineups to get to here. Uh, Twins and Royals, Kyle Gibson and Danny Duffy. That should shape up to be a very nice uh, pitching duel. Uh, And I don't see anything too unusual in the Twins lineup. Take a quick look here at the Royals lineup. And, uh, yeah, don't see anything there that is really worth your attention. Did mention, however, earlier in the show, that Alberto uh, Mondesi has been placed uh, on leave. Uh, I believe it's the family medical emergency leave. So um, he is obviously not in the lineup uh, for the uh, Kansas City Royals. So Whit Merrifield at second in that one. And uh, Lucas Duda DHing. Uh, sorry. Uh, I know that Hunter Dozier's in there. There he is uh, batting sixth and playing first base. Anyhow, so that gets uh, gets you caught up on uh, all the lineups. As far as the weather, anything there to pay attention to? Uh, does not, well, okay, a couple of games, actually, that you do need to pay attention to. Uh, Tigers-Red Sox just went over both of those lineups. Pretty good chance of rain in that one, 40, 49% chance of precipitation for first pitch, holding pretty steady but the one, actually, that looks like the really big concern here is Reds hosting the Pirates. Uh, now, the chance of precipitation is going to go down a bit at game time, but then it's going to go right back up. So 69% uh, for first pitch and uh, holding steady there for a couple hours and going back up. So that's Reds and Pirates. You may want to look to sub in your, your players in your daily lineup for uh, for those two, uh, those two teams uh, for your daily lineups. And otherwise, I think we are pretty well set and we can start to take a quick look at um, uh, the two-star pitchers for the coming week and there's a lot of of good ones to consider here some of them uh, maybe you're able to pick up particularly in like a 12-team mixed league and a couple of those uh, would be nationals pitchers looks like Jeremy Helks and Tanner Roark could both get two starts uh, against the Brewers in Milwaukee and then against the Marlins and Marlins Park. And while that Brewers matchup is obviously not a good one, uh, and the Park's not a good one either, that Miami matchup could really work out nicely. In fact, sort of that combination works out well because the Brewers are the better team for the strikeouts. Uh, and then you can maybe you know catch up on uh, ERA in that Marlins start. But uh, I think I talked about this right before the break, but I'm feeling good about Jeremy Hellickson again. And I do particularly like him in a two-start week since a lot of times he does get lifted early before facing the order a third time through. So really a two-start week is ideal for him. I'm certainly going to start him where I can. Tanner Rourke, I'm just not trusting at all, uh, regardless of the matchup. So I think I'd pass there. And then for the Marlins, uh, they've got Jose Ureña first against the... Braves, but at home, and then of course that second start against the Nationals, and I like him. I think he's he's kind of sneaky good. I think he gets overlooked because it's the Marlins, and he did go an awfully long time the season before getting a win, and it's not a shock that of, of all the pitchers that would happen to it would be a Marlins pitcher, but yeah, he's, he's one of these guys I really do like with two starts. You know, decent strikeout rate, you know, decent walk rate. Um gets a lot of pulled ground balls, which gives him some, some babip help. So I, I I do like Iranian. Not as much as Jeremy Helliksen, but I, I do like him as a somebody to look at. I already talked earlier about Julio Tehran. He for me, he's wait and see, even though he's got the Marlins with the first start, he's got another start against the Dodgers. And until he improves his control, I am staying away from Julio Tehran. And same deal, Carlos Rodan need to come up with some sort of ride here. Tehran and Rodon. Uh, I, I can't think of what rhymes. But anyways, just avoid them both. Sorry for the rhyming fail. Uh, Rodon, by the way, at home against the Angels and also at home against the Blue Jays. That's a wait and see there. I'd certainly like to use him in future two-start weeks, but I just can't trust him just yet. And pretty much the same deal with Kyle Hendricks, who I talked about earlier, so I won't go over all the you know reasons why, but... Uh, at home versus the Diamondbacks and then on the road uh, to face the Cardinals, who he just pitched against last night, didn't look very good against the Cardinals. Uh, not that either of these are totally fearsome matchups, but they're also not great matchups either. So maybe I could trust Hendricks with, you know, something like, you know, Padres Marlins in a week. But now with a couple of, of fairly challenging matchups, I will pass if at all possible. Felix Pena, this one's a little trickier. And again, Pena. Not tending to go deep into games, but getting good strikeout count anyway. Uh, So doubling him up with a couple of starts is really ideal. And the first one of those is against the White Sox. And it's at home, too, which is nice. In fact, both of his starts are at home. White Sox, but then the Mariners, uh, which is a little trickier. But uh the leagues where I start Felix Pena, I'm using him. And leagues where I don't have him, but he's available which is probably not the case in 15-team, although it might be. It's worth checking. But certainly very likely to be the case in the 12-team league. He is somebody I would look for on waivers. Uh, Yulish Shasin at home against the Nationals and then on the road against the Giants. I'm really pretty skeptical about Shasin maintaining what he's been doing of late. But that Giants start does make it, especially because it's in San Francisco, Makes them at least worth looking at, but I would say in terms of prioritizing, you know, versus pitchers like Hellickson, Urania, or, or Pena, uh, I would uh, I would pass on Yulisha's scene. Very very nice p- week potentially for CC Sabathia. He's got the Rays and he's got them at the Trop. I don't worry a whole lot about park factors with Sabathia, but certainly that helps. And then he's got the Royals. And, yes, that's at home at Yankee Stadium. But that's just a great matchup. So I I like Sabathia, too. Uh, I'd say I like him about as much as I like Helixson. I think there's a little bit of risk there, particularly with that raised start. But uh, he's right up there, I'd say, with Helixson in terms of, like, the the top pitcher that I would target if he were available. I think Helixson's probably more available. So it just might be that if I can't get Sabathia – Halickson's a really nice sort of consolation prize. And I don't mean that, that that's a pretty demeaning way to put it, but I don't mean it that way at all because I, as I said earlier, I actually am very optimistic about Jeremy Halickson. Zach Wheeler has some great starts at home versus the Padres on the road at the Pirates. Uh, probably would have a difficult time trying to pick him up, except maybe in a very shallow league, but he'd be a high priority as well. Joe Musgrove. I, I, he's got the Mets, and I almost just to see the reactions because they crack me up. I almost want to put it out a Twitter poll involving Musgrove pitching at the Mets next week, uh, just you know, for people to say all the things that they say about the Mets. But uh, for me, that's actually not enough because his first start is against the Indians at Cleveland, and uh, I think I broke this down on a on a fairly recent episode that Musgrove's just not getting that many ground balls lately. So that worries me, particularly against the Indians. Indians also a very selective lineup. Not that Musgrove is is particularly wild, but it's just not a good matchup. And I will say, with, particularly with Cespedes back, I don't think the Mets, at least against righties, I don't think the Mets are as bad as some people make them out to be. I'm not saying it's, it's a tough matchup, but it's not one that I think unto itself makes it worthwhile saying, like, yeah, I'm gonna take the risk with Joe Musgrove. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it fly with that start of Cleveland. So I'm gonna pass. Especially again, because you've got options like Wheeler, Sabathia, Helkson, Arania, Pena, and so forth. So you got Arania and Pena are a yes. And Toronto Rodan are a no. All right. Enough rhyming, uh Joey Lucchesi, He's got the Mets. Now again, with a lefty, that's a super nice matchup. Uh, and I just I like Joey Lucchese. So uh, that's certainly something on to itself that that does make it uh, a nice week. And then he's got the Diamondbacks at home. And, you know, either uh, venue is OK. But Petco Park, it looks like is, you know, more pitcher friendly than Chase uh, Field this year. So that's a pretty nice combination there for Joey Lucchese. He's somebody I'd be, be fine with starting. And then finally, uh, Andrew Suarez He's got the Mariners in Seattle and then a home start against the Brewers. I don't think it's terrible, but I'm just I'm kind of on the fence about Suarez. And so I think some of the other really clearly good options that you have Suarez would be way down my list, like seventh or eighth in terms of somebody to go in and pursue and actually try to pick up for the two starts. So you do have a lot of really good options this week. I understand not all of them are going to be on uh, waivers but all you really need are you know probably one or two of them to really upgrade your rotation for the coming week and i think you know between the likes of halluxon and pena um and urania in particular i think those guys would be and lucchese uh those guys are probably available in a lot of leagues and worth uh worth picking up if the others aren't available so good luck good luck with your rotations good luck with your lineups tonight and for next week I'll be back on Monday, and I hope you have a great weekend. Have some more fun watching baseball again. Take care, everyone.